Well, praise the Lord. Oh, come on. Praise the Lord. Good morning, New Life Manor to Springs. So good to see you. A couple shout outs. Dina Flanagan is here today. Hi, Dina. If you don't know, we prayed for Dina. How many weeks and weeks ago? Uh, she battled cancer and she rung the bell. And here she is. She's been in and out, though. And it's, it's been a valley. And here she is. And so we're going to continue to pray with you and for you. Ron Duncan, I see you back there too. You Similar journeys going, ringing the bell, cancer-free, you're here. Praise God. Good to see all of you. Uh, I was gone last week in Minnesota. You have to say it like that, Minnesota. We, had, we battled the mosquitoes, caught some fish, and really saw some family. My wife's family is from there, so uh, it was a wonderful Sunday. We, I watched the service online later, and uh, so thanks to Eddie, who's who spoke, Daniel Flooring, our tech guy, who was also hosting the service. Good job, Daniel. And today we have a shorter sermon and I have a guest speaker for you. She's spoken here before, so really she doesn't need much of an introduction, but I wanted to tell you something about her, like her poetic gift. She's a poet. She's, she's a writer. Anybody else write poetry? Uh, don't be afraid. Guys, don't be afraid. If you write poetry, raise your hand. Uh, there's, a, there's a gift that poets have that I kind of realized. So last week when I was on vacation, I got to read a book. I read a book by a Christian poet, uh, an autobiography, and the story was quite fascinating. But all along the way, I was like, wow, this person has a way with words, not just the story, but the way in which the story is being told was like, wow, this is really powerful. The gift of poetry, as someone communicates, is, is wonderful. And so Jordan Lewis uh, is going to speak today. She has a gift of poetry. So I'm going to encourage you, as she opens up the Word of God to us, she has a passage in the, New, in the Old Testament uh, that she's going to open to us. I pray and hope you, you will not just listen to the words, listen to the message, but also listen to how the Lord is speaking to you today, that, that you would open up your hearts, open up your minds to receive from the Lord what he might have for you through this word that she's going to open to us. So ladies and gentlemen of New Life Manitou Springs, would you give a warm welcome to Jordan Lewis? Thank you. Wow. Joe, I'm just going to have you introduce me everywhere to everyone. That's awesome. <laughs> um, there is a Ukrainian-American poet, speaking of poetry, named Ilya Kaminsky. And in one of his poems, um, he, it's kind of like a, a collection of poetry that's written from the perspective of a group of people who are coming out of exile. And this group of people has a moment in this poem where they judge God and are kind of frustrated with God and say, how could you allow this? So in this judgment room, the people kind of echo as one voice and say, God, how could you allow these things to happen? And how the poem goes, they hear an echo back and it says, how could you allow this to happen? Now, Ilya Kaminsky is not a believer, he's not a Christian poet, but there is something about people in pain or people who are oppressed wanting to judge God, and in some ways it can feel like there's an echo back to us, saying, how could you allow this to happen? I've spent a lot of time, I have a justice button, and so for me, being a black woman living in Colorado has brought a lot of tension with it, being a woman, I have a business background. There was a lot of tension in that kind of male-dominated space. And so I've spent a lot of time asking the Lord, God, I feel like I'm an oppressed person 
And how could you allow this to happen? And over the years, as I've been talking to the Lord about the pain and the tensions of my life, one, I have been met with the compassion of the Lord. So it's not this echo back, like, how could you allow this to happen? Or you need to suck it up, or you're in pain, and you need to figure it out. I've been met with the kindness of the Lord, with the mercy of the Lord, with the tenderness of the Lord. But I've also been met with an interesting proposition from the Lord. And it's an invitation to say, yes, there are bad things happening, and darkness is part of how we as humans experience the world, but also there is light. And for me, he's like, Jordan, you get to participate in the light. You don't only have to lament the darkness. So there is lament that's holy, but also there is light that God wants us to participate in. And that's really what I want to talk about today. One of my favorite stories in the Bible, as Joe was mentioning, is the story of a woman named Rahab. And as I read through the story and as I share with you, I really believe that each of us will have an invitation to participate in the kingdom, to participate in the light of the world. Um, And I really believe that hearing about Rahab and what she did is going to spark some inspiration in us. But before I get into that, let's pray. God, thank you so much for your encouragement. God, thank you for the spirit of hope that is stirring in this room right now. God, I thank you that even though the world is dark or our lives are dark, God, I thank you that darkness does not have the final say. God, you are the light that overcomes darkness every time. So God, I pray that our eyes would be open, that our hearts would be stirred, And God, I pray that you would give us ways to participate in what you are doing. In Jesus' name, amen. I normally wouldn't preach a sermon that's so personal, um, but I feel, one, if I can do this anywhere, y'all are definitely the people that I can share this with, for sure. So that's exciting. Um, And this word in particular has just been stirring on my heart for over a year. And I've been asking for the Lord for an opportunity to share this appropriately. So Joe, thank you so much that I just get to share this with y'all. So I'm going to read from Joshua chapter two, and I'm going to read the entire chapter. So it's quite a chunk of scriptures. Um, So you can turn to it in your Bible, Joshua chapter two in the Old Testament. It'll be on the screen, or if you have your phone, you can just turn to it on your phone or just listen to me. So this is Joshua chapter two. And Joshua, the son of Nun, sent two men secretly from Shittim as spies, saying, Go, view the land, especially Jericho. And they went and came into the house of a prostitute whose name was Rahab and lodged there. And it was told to the king of Jericho, behold, men of Israel have come here tonight to search out the land. Then the king of Jericho sent to Rahab saying, bring out the men who have come to you who entered your house, for they have come to search out all the land. But the woman had taken the two men and hidden them. And she said, true, the men came to me, but I do not know where they were from. And when the gate was about to be closed at dark, the men went out. I do not know where the men went. Pursue them quickly, for you will overtake them. But she had brought them up to the roof and hid them with the stalks of flax that she had laid in order on the roof. So the men pursued after them on the way to the Jordan as far as the fords. And the gate was shut as soon as the pursuers had gone out. Verse 8. 
Before the men lay down, she came up to them on the roof and said to the men, I know that the Lord has given you the land and that the fear of you has fallen upon us and that all the inhabitants of the land melt away before you. For we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea before you when you came out of Egypt and what you did to the two kings of the Amorites who were beyond the Jordan, to Sahan and Og, whom you devoted to destruction. And as soon as we heard it, our hearts melted, and there was no spirit left in any man because of you. For the Lord your God, he is God in the heavens above and on the earth beneath. Now then, please swear to me by the Lord that as I have dealt kindly with you, you also will deal kindly with my father's house and give me a sure sign that you will save alive my father and mother, my brothers and sisters, and all who belong to them and deliver our lives from death. And the men said to her, our life for yours, even to death. If you do not tell this business of ours, then when the Lord gives us the land, we will deal kindly and faithfully with you. Then she let them down by a rope through the window for her house was built into the city wall so that she lived in the wall. And she said to them, go into the hills or the pursuers will encounter you and hide there three days until the pursuers have returned. Then afterward, you may go your way. The men said to her, we will be guiltless with respect to this oath of yours that you have made us swear. Behold, when we come into the land, you shall tie the scarlet cord in the window through which you let us down. And you shall gather into your house, your father and mother, your brothers and all your father's household. Then if anyone goes out of the doors of your house into the street, his blood shall be on his own head and we shall be guiltless. But if a hand is laid on anyone who is with you in the house, his blood shall be on our head. Verse 20. But if you tell this business of ours, then we shall be guiltless with respect to your oath that you have made us swear. And she said, according to your words, so be it. Then she sent them away and they departed. And she tied the scarlet cord in the window. They departed and went into the hills and remained there three days until the pursuers returned. And the pursuers searched all along the way and found nothing. Then the two men returned. They came down from the hills and passed over and came to Joshua, the son of Nun. And they told him all that had happened to them. And they said to Joshua, truly the Lord has given all the land into our hands. And also all the inhabitants of the land melt away because of us. So a bit of context for y'all. At this point in Joshua, um, the Israelites had gone through the wilderness. They'd been delivered from slavery. They wandered around for 40 years. Then Moses dies. Then Joshua takes over, and his responsibility is to lead the Israelites into the promised land. But it's, they don't just get to skip into the promised land, no big deal. They have to conquer some people. They have to fight for it. They have to take over some conquest. And so they are up against Jericho, which was a huge city with high walls, impossible for Israel to defeat them on their own. But they're not on their own. They have the power of God. So when the spies go into Jericho to kind of check it out, like how hard is this going to be? What are we up against? I love that they don't meet an enemy. They don't meet um, giants or anyone who's going to frustrate their plans or make their hearts wilt within them. The Lord himself had stirred an unlikely heroine's heart to say, hey, I am in these walls and I'm going to help you. And that's who Rahab was. It's pretty incredible to me that she's known, it says here, she was a prostitute. 
but the Bible has no problem telling people's business, right? So the Bible will say this person was fat, this person was stupid, this person did all these things wrong, and this person did this and that and the third, right? But the Bible honors Rahab because she deserves honor. So it says, yes, she was a prostitute, but let's talk about how awesome she was. Let's talk about her strategy. Let's talk about how she encouraged the spies when they easily could have run into the pursuers first. They easily could have run into someone who was going to hurt them, but they ran into an unlikely ally. And I think that's awesome. So let's break up this chapter into two parts. The first chunk is Joshua 1 through 16, or Joshua chapter 2, verse 1 through 16. So they run into Rahab, and she's extraordinary. But we don't know anything about her past. We don't know how she got into prostitution or what, what that looked like back then. But we know about her faith. We know about her actions. We know that she had stirred up her heart to believe what the Lord was doing on behalf of the Israelites, and she wanted to take part of it. And that's a word of encouragement. It doesn't matter who you are, whether good or bad, or what you've done in the past, what matters to God is how you respond to his kingdom in faith. What matters to God is how you respond to his kingdom with your faith. So Rahab heard the stories about what God was doing and she cultivated that faith. She had every reason to be afraid, every reason to think that the Israelites were her enemies too, every reason to turn on them and to use all her brilliance for evil to hurt them, but she used it for good. And I think that's really extraordinary. It makes me also think about the thief who was crucified with Jesus. In his last moments, he tells Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus says to him, today you will be with me in paradise. The thief was being crucified because he had done the wrong thing. Jesus was innocent. The thief, we don't know what he did wrong, but we know Jesus didn't deserve to be on the cross, but that thief did but we don't know about his past. We don't know about the wrong that he did. We just know how when he had a chance to speak with Jesus, he said, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And that's what we remember the thief for. So just like Rahab, we know she was a prostitute, but that's not what we remember her for. We remember her because of what she did to help the Israelites. So Rahab has a whole plan. She protects the spies. She outsmarts her fellow Jericho citizens. And what's amazing to me is what she asked for. So she has this whole plan, and she could have said, I'm coming with you now. Get me out of here. She could have said anything. But she said, I helped you. Will you please save my family? This woman's amazing to me. She's thinking of, of others, kind-hearted, selfless, brave, does something dangerous by protecting the enemies of her people, takes a huge risk in trusting these strangers, these spies, she didn't know them, because ultimately she trusts God. And I really feel like that's an invitation for us today, where it's, I believe that we're in a time in the world and in our own lives where God is knocking on our door. There is an opportunity. The spies, so to speak, have come to our home, have come into our lives, and they are messengers from the Lord. And we have an opportunity to say, okay, God, what, what is being stirred in my heart? For some of us, it might be we are actually gonna follow Christ, really, with our lives for the first time. Our young friends are getting baptized today. That is a God's knocking on the doors of their heart. 
and they get to respond. For some of us, it may be starting a Bible study or joining a Bible study. For some of us, it may be reconciling a relationship that maybe we've been hesitant to reconcile. But I believe all of us in this room have an opportunity to respond to what God is doing. And there are some things about how Rahab responded that she used her quick wit, she used her brilliance, she used um, her heart for others to not get stuck in the past or what she had done wrong or whatever it was. She said, God, I believe what you're doing and I'm going to partner with what you're doing. I'm gonna partner with light and not with darkness. And that's amazing to me. But then it's not just how Rahab helps the spies. It's that she follows through on her actions. So in the second chunk of verses in Joshua chapter 2, 17 through 24, it's, it really moves me, one, that she asked, okay, God, help my family. But when she asked the spies for a sure sign, they give her a scarlet cord, and she put it in the window right away. She didn't tuck it away. She didn't say, I'm not sure about this, or this isn't the sign I wanted. She put it in the window like they told her to do. And I really believe that there is a faith action that we get to take. Rahab's faith action was, here's a scarlet cord. I'm putting, in, putting it in the window. And there is something that the Spirit is inviting all of us to do as well. The scarlet cord is interesting because it's a symbol of the tribe of Judah, specifically of Perez. That's one of the people in the tribe. And his name means breakthrough. And here's a side story from Genesis 38, if you're interested. But Perez was a twin, so it's him and his brother, Zerah. So when they were born, Zerah stuck his hand out first, and a midwife tied the scarlet cord around his wrist to signify, okay, there are two of them in there. This one came out first, right? But then Zerah pulls his hand back in. The story's wild, y'all. And Perez comes out first. And so there is this a family story for this tribe where it's like these twins just have an interesting story where it's like, that's so strange, but now they have this like scarlet cord to symbolize there's something special or interesting with our family. There's breakthrough in our family, and that's what the scarlet cord represents and why it's significant. But all that to say, just like Perez broke through and was born first, there is breakthrough attached to your faith. Your actions of faith facilitate your breakthrough and the breakthrough of others. Just like how Rahab, her actions of faith facilitated her breakthrough, but also were the saving grace for her family. But that's like Bible days, you know? When I think about who are some modern day people that we can also learn from or be inspired from, one of my heroes is a woman named Harriet Tubman. Harriet Tubman was a formerly enslaved woman turned abolitionist in the Civil War era South. She escaped slavery alone in 1849 and could have just been free. Like, I was enslaved and now I'm free and forget it. But the extraordinary thing about Harriet is that over the course of a decade, she went back and forth to Maryland by herself and, and freed over 70 people, led them and escorted them into freedom. But not only that, during the Civil War, she led expeditions to free hundreds of more slaves. And so when I think about someone who just could have either stayed stuck in slavery, literally, or just took care of herself only and forgotten about everybody else, Harriet Tubman is someone who was like, I'm not just gonna accept freedom for myself. 
I'm going to go back, put myself in danger over and over and over again to free hundreds of people. And that's someone I want to be like. And this is the opportunity we're invited into. God wants to help people who are oppressed in our families, who are oppressed in our neighborhoods, who are oppressed in our city. And God is inviting you to partner with his spirit to affect positive change on the earth. God is inviting you to partner with his spirit to affect positive change on the earth. What's amazing to me though, is that Rahab's story doesn't just end in Joshua 2. In Joshua 6, 22 through 23, it goes on to say this. But to the two men who had spied out the land, so Joshua and the Israelites had done this whole like six day thing where they were walking around the wall all silent. Then on the seventh day they shout, the walls come down. And so they had like victory, you know? But to the two men who had spied out the land, Joshua said, go into the prostitute's house and bring out from there the woman and all who belong to her as you swore to her. So the young men who had been spies went in and brought out Rahab and her father and mother and brothers and all who belonged to her. And they brought all her relatives and put them outside the camp of Israel. So this woman was a woman of her word. She said, I will help you help my family. She put the scarlet cord in the window and finished what she was asked to do. Then the spies went in and her whole family was saved. Her whole family was saved. What impresses me about this story and about how God is, is that God can't help but just do the most, right? So it's like, it would have been fine. Okay, Rahab was saved and her family was saved and that was great. But salvation is not just about us and it's not just about our family. There is something that God is doing in the earth. There's a way that light wants to move and it's an extravagant response to faith because God could have just said, great, Rahab is saved and that's it. But that's not all that happens with Rahab's story. Let's look at Matthew 1. The book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Abraham was the father of Isaac and Isaac the father of Jacob and Jacob the father of Judah and his brothers and Judah the father of Perez and Zerah by Tamar and Perez, the father of Hezron, and Hezron, the father of Ram, and Ram, the father of Amminadab, and Amminadab, the father of Nashon, and Nashon, the father of Salmon, and Salmon, the father of Boaz by Rahab, and Boaz, the father of Obed by Ruth, and Obed, the father of Jesse, and Jesse, the father of David the king. So our girl Rahab is in the lineage of Jesus, in the lineage of Jesus. That is epic to me. It easily could have been like, oh, and that was it. That was her story. But she had such a legacy because of her actions of faith that she ends up in the lineage of Jesus Christ. And I think that that is what the Lord is doing. Our actions, what we do, are part of how Jesus wants to move through the earth, part of how light wants to move through the earth to push back darkness. But not only that. So she's in the lineage of Jesus, then she, we can find her again in Hebrews 11, which some people call it the, the hall of faith. Hebrews 11:31. By faith, Rahab the prostitute did not perish with those who were disobedient because she had given a friendly welcome to the spies. Faith gives us a different story. 
and it's one that we do not write on, on our own. If Rahab had not connected to the God story, she and her family would have perished. That would have been it. But because she connected to the God story, her story was overtaken by God's mercy, and she got to be a part of it. And again, I know that God has given us the same call and invitation. Yes, we're in church, we believe God, we love God, all of that. But salvation isn't just for us, and it doesn't just stop in our family line. There is something that the Spirit is inviting us into, and it is part of what Jesus wants to do. It's part of how we get to have actions of faith. So my question to you as I finish is this. When opportunity knocks, when the spies come, will you be part of the God story? The Spirit is inviting you today. And I don't know about you, but I want to be like Rahab and have bold actions of faith for the glory of God and for the good of the world. Amen? Amen. Awesome. Thank you, Jordan. Would you stand with me? I'm going to invite the worship team and the communion serving team to come forward. We want to respond as we do every week to the message and to what the Lord is doing inside of us. We're going to receive communion and communion at New Life Manitou. We, we celebrate an open table. If you're like, well, what is that? What does that mean? Um, well, it means that, that anyone who has put their faith in Jesus, maybe even anyone that says, I believe, help my unbelief. Anyone in here that says, well, I hope in Jesus. I would love to come to his table if invited. I want to tell you some really good news, that Jesus invites you to his table with open arms, with an open door. In fact, he's standing at the door and knocking. This is one of the images in the text of scripture. He stands. He says, behold, I stand at the door and I knock. And so will you come in? Will you receive what he might have for you today? Communion is receiving Christ's body and his blood. It's celebrating the mystery that he died for us on the cross, that his blood was shed, that his body was broken for us. And that's what we remember when we, we think about the communion, when we go through the line, we're going to come through the middle going to come forward. We're going to go down the side. The communion servers are going to say Christ's body and blood for you. If you receive it, would you just receive it? Hold it in your hands. We're going to go back through. Just stand where you are in, in your place. We're going to all going to, I'll come back up in a couple minutes and we'll all receive together after we sing this one last song. But as you come, know that the gifts of God are for you, the people of God, that this is the body of Christ for the body of Christ. So all those that are coming, come in faith. Come receiving, come with open hands. You might say, I don't have anything to give. I don't, I don't even know if I belong here. Well, we come with open hands. We come like, like Rahab, like someone who's just willing. I'm willing to help. I'm willing to, to see what the Lord has. I'm willing to see and open the door and see what's at the table. The Lord is here. He wants you to come to his table. Let's pray. Lord, as we come this morning to your most holy table, Lord, would you purify our hearts and our minds that, that we might come and receive from you this morning. Receive the cup, receive the bread that, Lord, you said it's your body broken, your blood shed for us. So, Lord, as we come, Lord, would you put in, this, uh, put in us a willing heart to receive you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit.
darkness you give hope you restore every heart that is broken great are you Lord it's your
remember the night that Jesus broke bread with his disciples. He held up bread and he broke it. And he said, take this, eat it in, in memory of me. My body is going to be broken for you. So would you take the bread now? And as one church, let's receive the bread together. That same night, Jesus took a cup. He said, I have a cup of a new covenant. My blood shed for you. Jesus took his cup and gave it to his disciples and said, take this, remember me. So we receive this cup as a mystery that Christ's blood, his body was shed for us. Let's receive the cup together. So Lord, we thank you that your gifts of your body and your blood are for us. That your grace is new every day. That we can come to your table. You're inviting us. And Lord, for all of us, may we come, may we see your eyes of love at a table that is open. Lord, we thank you and we praise you in this holy moment in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And God's people said, amen. Amen. Well, it's this point of the service where I usually say, if you want prayer, come down after the service. But all of us are going to go down and outside because we have a few people to baptize. People who have made a decision or recommitted a decision or on a journey of following Christ and have said, I want to make this a public statement in front of this congregation that I'm following him. So we're gonna baptize some people. So we will pray for you if you want prayer. I'll stick around all afternoon if you want. I'll pray for you after the baptism service. If you're new to this church, let me just give you a couple uh, announcements. If you're new, we send out an email a couple times a month. Uh, we have a men's ministry, a women's ministry, high school ministry, all these different things. Uh, there, there's a QR code on the back of your chair or outside is an actual piece of paper that you can fill out with as much or as little information as you wanna give us and we have a gift for you. If you do the QR code at the table after the baptisms, just say, I did the QR code and we'll give you a gift. A couple announcements for you. Our men's ministry, any men in the house? Any Anybody at all? Okay, James, I heard James. Thank you, James. For the men in the house, two things. First, uh, we, we meet on the second and fourth Thursday of each month. And so that's this Thursday. We'll be right here, 6.30 on Thursday. We'll have a Bible study, a teaching right here, and food, right? Food's always involved with the men's ministry. So right here, Thursday. And I want to pre-announce, just save the dates, men, for next month, September 8th, 9th, and 10th, we have our annual men's retreat. We're gonna go up into the mountains about 40 minutes straight west of here. The men, the, the theme is uh, your journey begins in the wilderness. And so I want all you men to consider coming up for either part of the day or the whole thing, like I'm gonna be up there and listening and studying the Bible together and having a lot of fun. Last year, we threw axes. We did uh, like archery. We did all kinds of really fun, like men stuff. And we also did some really cool, just like sharing of our feelings, which was actually probably the most special part of it. So, so you get both, ax throwing and sharing your feelings. It's an incredible weekend. And for you women out there, don't, don't worry, I have an announcement for you as well. In two Thursdays, there's gonna be the finale of our Stories and Songs Summer Ministry. 
We're doing a garden. What's it called? Garden party, garden party for the women. It's going to be a missionary theme. So missionaries or people who have been on missions are going to share some of their stories and songs. That's the theme of stories and songs. So that's in two weeks, women. So right now is usually when I bless, I say, bless the Lord, bless you and keep you. I will say that, but not yet. So, so the service is still continuing. Jordan did a great job preaching. She was short. So we're, the, the sermon was short. So the whole service is short. So, so, so I'm saying that. So, so don't leave. Don't, don't back up. The parking lot's going to be full with people. So stick around. We have a couple people to baptize. I'll see you outside in like five minutes. We'll start a baptism service. Okay. So I'll see you outside. I'll pray a blessing over you then. Go in peace.